All right. Hey there, and welcome to the Three Drinks In Podcast, episode number 265. I'm your host, Vince. Over there is your host, Phil. Hey. There's Phil. In this episode, we are talking about Extraction 2, starring Chris Hemsworth. But before we get started, we want to ask you to please subscribe to the podcast on any of the streaming services, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Make sure that you leave a five-star rating and maybe even a review. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are at 3 Drinks in Pod. You can email us at 3 Drinks in Podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our merchandise over at tpublic.com. All right. So I uh, I, I told my friend um, that I had I I had seen the traction too. He goes, "Oh yeah, no, I, uh, I, I, I meant to see that one. I just kind of never got around to it, or like the like the first one. I got no, it was pretty good. It was it was a lot of um, it was it was rough though. Certain parts of it. So he sent me a text that night because he decided to watch it. And he said to me, uh, "Yeah, the child death count in this is is aggressively high, and I'm 25 minutes in." So yeah. I was like, yeah, they, they did murder a lot of children. What country was that in again? That was India and I believe the border of India and Bangladesh. Okay. So it was, took place across those two countries. Um, but yeah, that that's very prevalent in my mind, like all of the child murder and self-mutilation that happened in that movie. It was sort of like, whoa, hmm. that's that's intense. Like you know what I remember from the first movie? Nothing. <laughs> I didn't remember anything from that movie. Well, there wasn't to, a whole lot to recall, plot-wise. I didn't remember plots, names, action scenes. I remember there was a long take, and that was it. <laughs> yeah. Because that was the only thing people were talking about at the time. I had to Google it this morning because um, this one starts like right after that. Like he gets injured and falls off a bridge and he's left for dead and you're kind of assume that he you kind of assume that he's alive but you don't see it because they're kind of setting up a sequel. I'm sitting here like I don't remember any of this. Well, you don't really need to. Like that's sort of the Clearly. thing about this movie. Like there's nothing about it that requires you to hang on to that information. I mean, the basic plot of. That movie, I believe, was that um, you had Words two warring drug lords in, <laughs> yeah. you know, on the Indian subcontinent, and um, one of them, I think, kidnaps the other one's son, and um, Chris Hemsworth is then hired to get him back. And like, again, it's not not crystal clear. And then he's he does, but then he has to escape because they're they're just being chased now by everybody. And like there are, I think, corrupt military officials, and there's like a whole bunch of other stuff going on. But like it's it doesn't matter. Like he has to get from point A to point B, and everyone's trying to kill him, and he has to shoot everyone else to get out. You know, this yeah, he's basically like a Superman. Like he's like a John Wick type character. Yeah, the John Wick certainly in this film, I got a lot of John Wick vibes. I don't know much about the production team. I'm sure that somebody I'm going to read about it and go, "Oh, yeah, it's the same guy that did the this and the that," and like that's going to make a lot of yeah. sense. The director was a stunt coordinator for most movies. He was Captain America's stunt double. Right, that was for Extraction One or Extraction well, this One Two. Oh, okay, so, this, all right. so that's what I thought. And then this was actually written by Joe Russo. And it says Anthony Russo as well. But, um, um, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, I thought I, thought I lost you there for a second. So, yeah, so, like, yeah, there's there's that kind of a vibe to it as well as everything what else. Was that other, what was that dumb movie we watched um, the Russos directed for Netflix with, um, Chris Evans and uh, oh, the Gray Man. Yeah, yeah. That that one felt a lot like this. I wouldn't be surprised if they were supposed to be related somehow, like as a gag. Yeah, I get. I don't know. I so all right. 
I liked this movie. It's not a great film, but I liked the movie. I, you know, like, you know, you watch these things at home, you do the phone test. How long you are you on your phone during the film? Are you paying attention to it? Are you absorbed in the story? Are you, you know, focused? Um, and I'll, and I'll say, I was, I was engaged with this film for most of it. Like, there was a few times I was like, okay, well, this has gone on for quite some time. But, you know, overall, I thought it was good. There was, you know, everything was clear. The action was well shot. The choreography was was good. Um, you know, Chris Hemsworth is, is a real actor. And so he's, you know, it's hard to do what he's doing in this movie, which is to, like, be both, uh, you know, a a prop, you know, which is what he mostly is. And also he's got to, you know, stand there and give a performance that makes sense. Like it has to mostly make sense. It doesn't have to be deep, but it can't be hokey and it can't be distracting. It's just got to just be very straightforward, you know, and, and that's, that, that was good. I mean, there was really n- nothing about it that was unclear or preposterous in a way. Like everything kind of, followed naturally between one set piece to the next i thought certain things were clever the fight on the glass roof i thought was good um there was a few things i was like okay well if you're shot in the hand like he was shot in the hand in this movie like you don't keep (laughs) hanging on to the building there was very few moments where i was just like okay well that's just too ridiculous you know most of the time it's just your basic like they're firing a million bullets and hitting nobody. <laughs> you know, like there's a lot of that. All the poor policemen who were murdered in the course of making this movie, or like, yeah. it's like <laughs> that stuff. But like, for the most part, everything is within the bounds of the superhero, Ubermensch kind of person that he's supposed to be portraying. Fine, but um, but like, I liked it, and Gray Man didn't work at all. Like, I thought that was a train wreck of a movie because it was overacted. It was bizarrely directed. It didn't, it kind of, like, the, none of the characters made sense. Like, they went into detail as, as to who those people were. And it was all like, okay, so a bunch of 29-year-old Harvard graduates run black ops for the CIA. That's what you're telling me? Like, that's not interesting and also stupid. But this wasn't any of that. It was just like, you know, you have some shady organization that the girl works for, that they they get contracts to kill somebody or to rescue somebody, and that's what he does. And in this one, Idris Elba showed up (laughs) for what looked to be two scenes and a million bucks. And, you know, he plays that part now, too. And they run around, and they either kill somebody or they rescue somebody else. And, and you know that that's it there wasn't much thought about who anybody was it didn't really matter all that much like there ends up being a connection between him and the people he's trying to help you know tangentially but it's not you know that integral to what the story is as a whole mm-hmm. so but like like where where the gray man failed is being just like Chris Evans is is a good actor. He's not a great actor for Christ's sakes. And like he has some funny moments, but like most of it was cheesy and hokey. And I don't like Ryan Gosling. I don't. Is there a movie he's really good in? Uh, nothing I've ever seen. No, like he's extremely handsome, but everything I've seen him in, he's just sort of overplaying the charming, you know, devil may care kind of a guy versus you know like I don't know like I, I felt that he was bizarrely paired up with Chris Evans who's just got a lot of personality right Ryan Gosling has no personality whatsoever yeah so like I don't know it's just that 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 movie fell flat on its face this one this was fine it, it did what it was supposed to do nothing else and I don't know it it, it was fine what do you think uh yeah it was fine it was better than the first one. Um, it just had it had a lot of those feelings of um, of that other film because it had um, 
it had certain connective tissue through running throughout like themes and motifs that felt so similar but we're doing a little bit more so like there were thematic parallels this time i didn't remember anything about the first movie because we were literally watching two drug lords as i you now that you've reminded me two drug lords one of the kids you know was kidnapped and taken to some compound and that's terrible and there was also like another guy who was trying to kind of get out of that situation. Of yeah, being... he was. He he worked for like the Indian Army, I think. Or yeah, and he was going to betray Chris Hemsworth to save his own skin and like kind of get himself out of that life. And I, I barely remember that, you know. And Chris Hemsworth was just playing this like supremely competent black ops mercenary character who had gone away from his family and because his son was dying of cancer. And he couldn't bear to be there. So he was like, I'm going to go do my job and my missions and help people for money. So like it, it was all just watching action and, and disconnected. It was hard to care too much about that stuff. Whereas in this one, like he's saving his ex-wife's sister and her two kids from some crazy Georgian Russian uh, gang or whatever they are, mm. cult like gang. Although you don't know that right away, you you don't find no, that out don't. about halfway through the movie. Well, well, it's once Idris Elba tells him, he says, "You know, your ex wife hired me to get to get the sister out." He goes, "Oh, okay." He doesn't tell his partners that. He just tells them like, "We're I'm, I want another job. This is the job I'm taking. Come with me." And they go, "Okay." Like does the, does he tell him in the beginning? It's uh, okay. Yeah, because he's like, I don't want to do. He's like, I don't want to do any missions until Idris was like, Well, I'll tell you why you should, because <laughs> this is who's hired me. Yeah. You know, like like the sister hired, and she said, "Go find him because he's the best." So there's all these parallels of like being a father and being there for your kids and like showing what you want them to do and what you do for family and like you know it's. I'm talking it's barely there, but there are a couple of moments where the film slows down between 40-minute action pieces to discuss those things and have the characters kind of like stare and nod at each other and look at the horizon before they start putting bullets in people. Yeah, off into the middle distance. Yeah. So there was a little bit of that which helps. And, I mean, the movie's not long. No, mercifully. It's, it's three giant action scenes barely hanging together. But it also had that sort of like bizarre world building that like this one tells you now that there will probably be another one of these things. Like Idris Elba won't tell you who he works for. Yeah. You know, oh, you'll you'll love it, you know. And uh, the gray man had that too. We're like, we're just keeping information from you simply to get you to watch the next one, which I thought was annoying. Yeah. Like you don't. You don't have to do those things. So, but it, aside from that, it, it was it was interesting. It's mostly action, and the action was really, really good. Yes, the action I thought was you know so like after watching uh, George Miller was it, was it Miller the guy that did um what do you call it uh, Fury Road Fury Road yeah like once I saw that. And I like I learned a little bit of the of the of the lingo of how like what you want in a film like that and like okay so if you really just planned out the action sequences and you didn't care about your script because it didn't matter like you could just tell a story visually for a couple of hours what would it look like and is that like is that interesting enough and the answer is yes it is. And um, and like now I know what that's supposed to be, and so like I can kind of look look for like, is the action in the center of the frame? Does it logically follow from one thing to the next? Is the geography confusing? Do I know where people are? You know, do I know where they have been and where they are going? And do do I have a sense of geography? Like, and if I and if that's true, then like we're done. That's fine. Like, yeah, okay. And then that's what I experienced here. Like, I didn't have any sense of confusion. And it's like, it's a low bar if you say, well, well, the the film didn't confuse me, (laughs) therefore it's brilliant. But if all you've got is action pieces, 
you know, then just go watch a Michael Bay movie for a hot minute and go like, okay, so you see what it could have been? It could have been this. And this is just, you know, it's just detritus flying around. It's just, you know, incomprehensible garbage. Um, and so, like, once you have, a, like, a point, of re- a point of reference for what a, a good action film can be, then you can go, okay, this is fine. If this is all we're going to do, you know, then fine. Yeah, and it was fine. And, I mean, John Wick kind of does it really, really great as well. But I find that, I mean, I really only saw the first one. I saw bits of the second one where, like, all John Wick does is constant headshots. So, you know, that makes sense. <laughs> if you're trying to kill an army of men, that's what you would do. Whereas in this one, like, they had body armor on. They had helmets. Um, they would get knocked around. They would have, uh, uh, they get blown up with uh, grenades and stuff. Like, it was a bit more interesting in that there were different ways that they had to hurt each other. Yeah. And it, and it played with your expectations because sometimes the guys would get back up even though they were, they didn't look like anybody. And then like, there's one scene with like this really big guy yeah. and he has like a, like a, an ax in his hand. And I'm like, Oh man, this is going to be another one of these. And he gets taken out fairly easily. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was it, surprised. I kind of kept you. Yeah. I kept you guessing for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and there, there also seem to be consequences to all this kind of stuff. Like, you know, like, well, like, well, We'll get to the big set piece in in a minute, but like, you know, they, the giant scent, like the like this like the center, yeah, like right, like there's like three big set pieces for action, right? After the the second one is done, and this is smart too. There are three, one, two, three. If there are three acts in this movie. That's how this works. Um, after the second act. Where they go, I think they're in Germany. Is that where they are? They're in. Oh no, they're they're, they're in Austria. Austria. Because yeah. sure, why not? So they um they they blow up half of Austria trying to get these people, and they fail. And then one guy says, "Like, okay, well, the entire city is now trying to find us. Like, we are not any better off than we were before. So, like, nobody ever really has an advantage here." Like there's more guys, you know, with the with the evil Georgians, for the first two set pieces of the film. But at the same time, like after that's over, like there's no one left, and so it's Chris Hemsworth versus a bunch of other guys. But you know, there there there's sort of a sense of futility about it at the end too. Like he's got his nephew strapped to a bomb, and like all these. You know, but there was, it was never like a constant David versus Goliath kind of thing where David's actually enormous or whatever. Like, like in these kind of situations, you you generally have the hyper competent person versus the army, and you feel confident the guy's going to pull it off because he's hyper competent. But then again, like, well, it is an army you're fighting. You know, by the end of this movie, like the army is gone. It's just these two guys, and it's just a you know, it's a matter of intensity. Who's gonna who's gonna win? In, like in this final battle, when everyone's just going balls to the wall, and um, you think that would lower the stakes, but it kind of doesn't. It kind of like well, you know, there's this moment in like you got like half your brain's like, well, what if he loses? Or what if he really gets hurt? Or what if something actually happens to the kid? Because I actually thought they really pulled their punches in this movie when it came to a lot of the violence. In the first movie, it was very vicious. And, you know, it was like there was a child thrown off of a roof in the first 30 minutes of the last film. There was a kid who was murdered in the process of kidnapping the other kid. The one of the like the, like the little teenage henchmen for the for the uh, for the one boss cuts off his own finger in a, you know, effort to demonstrate devotion to the and 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 loyalty to the guy and there wasn't any of that here and I don't know that you really need that per se but having that kind of gratuity does change the tone of the film and it sort of raises the stakes like if they're willing to murder children like this 
what else could possibly be in store? And I thought there was really not a whole lot in this film that was really gory. They kind of toned that down a bit. Even See, at the I prison riot. Well, I don't remember I don't remember the first film. But I there were some moments that were very gory in this. I thought I thought you would say something about how like you didn't like that stuff. You don't like that stuff as I don't like that stuff, I should say. <laughs> I don't want to say you you don't like it as much as me. I mean, like I'm not a big fan of it. I like it when it's comical. Like I I love watching Mortal Kombat clips on sure. YouTube. Yeah. Because I just laugh at them. Like they're just so over the top. Like nobody's guts come out of them like that. Like it's stupid. Whereas in this one, like in the first 10 minutes, the guy gets pitchforked through the neck. Yeah. That was the only really. And I was like, oh. And when he fights the, the guy in the prison, he breaks his hand and he splits yeah. his hand in half. Yeah, that that one. And he and he held it up to the camera, and I was like, "Oh my god!" So I'm sitting here thinking that like that's gonna c- carry out, and uh, it wasn't. You see some headshots, but nothing crazy. Yeah, it. I mean, and like there were there were a couple implied things, like the one guy who basically gets his head crushed by the by the weight by the, <laughs> the weights. weights. Is that well that that happens twice? Because during the prison riot. He like bashes a guy in with a with a barbell in the yeah. face, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And then the, the other one, we're in their weight room in the in the big uh, skyscraper, and he hits the bar, and like all the weights crush a guy. Yeah, that was that was very that was very clever. That was just incredibly like a very smooth transition to a different thing yeah. that I didn't expect. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't That's typically That's like fine. that kind of stuff. Like, I don't you know, like I don't like to see it. I. Something about it in this film makes it since that's since that's all that there is, and it's not like like Saw to me is is, is pure tor- is, it's torture for the audience. Like that, 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 like I can't watch a thing like that. It's meant to be hyper realistic too. This is this is a video game basically. There's, there's almost nothing realistic about this, and so in its gratuitousness, sometimes if you know, and like. Maybe it's because I'm I'm at home and not in like a dark theater where you can't look away from it. Like I have a I have a I have a, a reasonably small television for this day and age. It's like almost ten years old now at this point. It's over ten years old now at this point. So like it's you know I can kind of go oh just and like look up and like I'm not staring at it. Like it's 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 a different visual experience for me physically. Um. And I, I don't necessarily want more of that, but it was funny to me that they that they made it really kind of intense in the first movie, and they backed off a lot in the second one. And I'm wondering, like, well, why is that? It must be like a focus group thing. Like somebody must have said, like, oh, I didn't like how much they murdered kids or how much this was kind of gross, or you know, like they kind of toned those things down. And because like all I could think of was like, well, are they going to do this like? Uh, natural born killers like that because that was a heck of a prison riot too. <laughs> they decapitated Tommy Lee Jones and put his yeah, head yeah. on a spike, you know. But uh, well, I, I think that well, like anything, the question is why. And in your my guess is that if you want more people to see your movie and you want to take it in a more video gamey way, because like some of the things Chris Hemsworth was dealing with that he would shake off are not they're not possible. Yeah, and and sometimes the characters would get thrown around, and they would stay down, and other times they would get up. And I'm like, well, why? Did, the logic wasn't always consistent. I was like, oh, how come that guy's okay? Like, yeah, whatever. That's what they were going for because they want more people to see it. Um, so you always have to ask that why. And like in the first movie, they did that one long take. Now I'm sure there were cuts. It just looks like one long take. Whatever. Yes, of course, of course. My my concern is why do it that way at all it's hard to do those sorts of things even in the editing room and in this movie it's almost 30 minutes that yeah. that take of him it's, it's grabbing 22 minutes long yeah yeah to get them out of the prison and he goes through the there's like rooms of prisoners and hallways and then he goes through the yard and, and all these other, and then there's a car chase afterwards and so, they're on and a train and like oh, that, that's right, it goes on, a train on and there's helicopters and I mean, at some point, like, because I knew it took 22 minutes. I had read that, and so when I sat down to watch, I was like, "All right, well, I'm gonna hit my watch and hit the hit the stopwatch feature, and then like, on some watching, I go, 
God, how long has it been? It's been six minutes. Like, oh my God, I have another like <laughs> Yeah. It's three times as long as this plus some. Like it's it 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 it, it, it was bananas. It was absolutely bananas. It was. But it was very good. It was and... so good. That's the thing. It was like it was it I was engaged the whole time. Yeah. I I got some fatigue, but I think I think Peter Jackson said it really well when they when, when they were doing when they were editing the two towers. So like I think the Battle of Helm's Deep, which is one of my favorite action sequences in any film ever, like from tip to toe, the whole thing is like twenty five minutes. If you include the build up where they're like they're like stomping their sticks on the ground and uh, you know until like the final charge where, where Gandalf comes out, it's like twenty two minutes. Is like if we if we if if we made it thirty minutes, it felt too long, and you got tired, and you got bored, and like you just like kind of all melded together, and your brain turned to mush. So like shorter was actually better in this case. So like I think that twenty minute mark is about as long as people can stand to watch something like that, something that frenetic, over such a long span of time and distance. Right. It becomes just, what's the point of this? Why do it this way? Um, and my guess is that because you've got elevating, elevated stakes, right? When he, he takes them out, he's got five minutes to get them out. And the first room they come into has a bunch of prisoners in it. And they just start to attack him. And of course, he gets out. And then he goes down to the, like, the dark hall. And he has to fight the husband, like the bad guy. So then he gets separated from the kids. Then he has to take the wife through the yard as a prison riot breaks out. So it gets worse and worse. He loses his gun. He loses his other gun. You know, he gets hit in the back of the head at one point. Yeah. And he's kind of doing like the, the cameras on him and everything behind him is going crazy. Then there's a car chase. Then there's a train. Like it gets progressively more difficult as he goes. So that's one way to do it. Also, you're holding your breath the whole time. The movie just started. You know he's going to be okay, but you don't know if the mom's going to get out of it. You don't know what's going to happen to the children. Uh, if he might lose some of his team, which he does, you know, you you get some characterization of all of them because all of them fight in different styles. So you kind of see like he's a more brutal character versus his partner, who's like, uh, she's like calling out shots. Like she's sort of in charge. She's got her brother with her. Like they're a pair, so they like they watch out for one another. Um, it's just a it's just a smoother way of doing it. It's a lot like you know you saw Daredevil, the first season of Daredevil on Netflix, yes. yeah. and that one has that hallway fight scene, which, which is, is great. one long, which is one long take. Yeah, and like that's the same kind of thing. It's it's a fun way to watch a fight scene, but it's also telling us a lot about the way he he operates and the way he behaves. And his determination and yada yada yada. So like, there's a way, there's a reason to do it in a certain style, you know. Let's just think of like painting. Not all artists paint the same way, so they, they paint in a certain thing, a certain way. And you say, well, that's not just because I wanted to paint a picture of a guy. I wanted a picture that was swirly or cubist or full of dots or whatever it is. You know, the medium yeah. is also part of the message. Yeah, I mean. Uh, there's a there's a lot that's been written and you know I don't know like video essays on on YouTube that 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 talk about the use of this particular I can call it a trope at this point, um, and I think I mentioned before this YouTube guy named Patrick Willem, who is quite verbose. But he's got a couple of really, really great YouTube videos that talk about certain aspects of the film. His one about needle drops is particularly great, and he did he he did one on the long take. And you know, I think it might have been after that movie uh, that we we I didn't even finish it. It was like the night movie with on Amazon about the two kids and the they think there's aliens that show up somewhere in Canada. Oh that yeah, that movie stunk. It's terrible. <laughs> But the whole film was one long take, and then of course there's Birdman, and you know I generally like it. 1917 was another one. like I like it as a as a style because I know how challenging it is 
it's a bit like you know Tom Cruise and how he's turned making the movie into the movie. You know, you you're aware. Oh, Tom Cruise really jumped out of out of a plane for this one, or you know, you know, whatever else it is. Like there, there's there's some sense of realism to the experience, which is what keeps you you know attentive and. You know, it's the same thing that that drives you to go see a based on a true story film. Like, oh, this really happened. You know, there's some element of 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 thrill in that that you don't normally get. And there's something to that in these kind of movies where, like, this was really hard to do. <laughs> okay, that's that's true. You know, it's much more complicated than a play, which you're going to run from front to back like that too. But you know, it's not as complicated as making a movie. So, but yeah, the ultimate question is like, does this really do anything for the story um and one thing i didn't know which i learned from some of these 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 youtubers is that some directors do this and you don't notice it like steven spielberg for, for example does this in jaws i had no idea but there's like a, a couple of scenes in jaws that just go on and like they don't need to but they don't not need to either like you could certainly shoot the scene where Brody goes to talk to the mayor about closing down the beaches in the beginning. It's like not a very interesting scene per se. Like he has to go and give the guy his opinion about what they should do about, you know, the shark. But when you shoot it in that sort of long take way, moving across different set pieces, what happens is that the urgency of the character becomes much more apparent He's really trying to get this guy's attention, and this guy is not listening. Until so like, you know, like one of the best scenes I think in that movie is after like the second shark attack when Brody's at the hospital, and he he goes to the mayor. He's like, "Please, would you just sign the damn thing so I can go hire Quint to go kill the shark?" And the guy is just the mayor is just totally distraught. Like my kid was there too. And I, I, I yeah, of course you can have the money, whatever. But like that scene doesn't work unless the first scene where he tries to get him to do this is this very slow and sort of unbroken line of, would you please just let me do what I need to do? Otherwise we're all just totally screwed. You know, sort of like subtly justifies itself these these things are unsubtle though like these are all very overt and like being hit in the face you know you know with an iron for for, for 20 minutes but it's still engaging in this movie yeah and in most oh, yeah. i mean brian de palma is known for this too opening for snake eyes is like this the opening for uh the bonfire of the vanities is like this too it works in snake eyes it doesn't work in the bonfire of the vanities yeah, I mean, it doesn't always work. You wouldn't do this for certain. You, you don't do this for certain scenes. That's the other thing too. I'm sure I can't. I haven't seen Fury Road since we I first saw it, but I'm I'm sure there are some long takes in that, but not that many. Nothing that I would be like, oh yeah, that like that's a movie that has really frenetic action. If you did a long take of a car just driving along, you would you'd be droning on. That's why. NASCAR is not filmed that way. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, no. no. Constant cuts, constant shots to the inside of the car. You know, so. Yeah, and there's something to be said too. Like, you know, like, like one of the best commercials ever made um, is the, uh, the Got Milk commercial. And I believe, like, that was Michael Bay. It's like 78 cuts in that commercial. You know, cuts have a have a way of, you know, of, of of driving the speed too. Like you, like you, the 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 cut allows you to change the pace at, at will. You know, this is kind of the same thing, but you know, as much as you could do to keep the action moving forward quickly, you know, there's always some element of it that will prevent you from doing that without wearing the audience out. You know, like yeah, I mean, panning the camera, like spinning around a lot of the times, and yeah, I will to this. <laughs> I will say, like the cuts were harder to see here. Like, I could kind of mm. tell where they were, but it was really well done. Like, it, like, like in in nineteen seventeen, it was obvious, but whenever something passed in front of the camera, 
you know, slow enough to go go to black for like half a second. Like, yeah, okay, that's probably where, you know, where the cut was. I couldn't see that stuff here. Yeah, I think it's a lot of the time when the camera spins on somebody. Yeah. Like if it's if it's focused on Hemsworth and then it turns and focuses on the the woman, that's usually where the where they are, because the camera's blurring. Yeah, like as it, as it shifts focus, like in the opening of Serenity by Joss Whedon about the the ship with the, the Firefly ship. Another they long did a, cut. They yeah. did a long take in the intro with all the characters, but this. The ship has got two levels to it, and the set really was only one, and they just flattened it. So he said, like, I had them go all the way to the end of the set, and then they're supposed to be going down a set of stairs. I had the camera, like, pointed at them, and then I turned the camera and faced it at the wall real quick, and then you could see them walking past the camera to the stairs. But he goes, that's where the cut is, because... The camera is shifting, and you're looking at them, and then you're looking at the wall. And he goes, but that motion of blur is where you can see is is where it is. So usually in in these kinds of scenes, I look for like the blur of the camera where it's the camera swivels, not yeah. the characters. But you know what? I I stop paying attention because it's distracting to try to figure it out. <laughs> so, like I just want yeah. to enjoy the scene. And I remember seeing a magician. His name is Matt Franco. He won like America's Got Talent years and years ago. And I saw him live a couple of years ago and he was doing some ridiculous magic trick. And he actually said, he's like, because it's, you know, we were all adults. He goes, one of the lessons I always tell people is very helpful. Stop trying to figure it out. Just let me do my trick because you're not going to figure it out and it's going to bother you. And then you're not going to have any fun. (laughs) He He goes, I'm really good at this. You're probably not going to figure it out. So rather than go home mad, just enjoy it. And I was like, you know what? He's so right. Because I, I had no idea what he was doing. And when I just sort of like gave up, you know, I'm like, well, he's doing something I can't see. Good for him. <laughs> you know, like I watched that thing you were talking about with Ricky J. Yeah. And I, I had the same thought. I was like, I don't know how he's doing this. And I'm not going to try to figure it out because well, it's, it's going to make me mad. <laughs> did you get to the end? Uh I don't know. With the, with the, the cups with the balls. Cups and balls. Well, that's the only thing I saw. Okay, yeah, the cups and balls. Because like, the thing about magic, and, and this is true with, with, with these kind of, of editing tricks, is like there is always the, the, that impulse to go, okay, I am, I am staring at something happening in front of me. I do think I understand you know what it is. I know I'm I'm going to be tricked, but I I, I do kind of want to figure out a little bit like of how we're moving from point A to point B. I could see that guy's argument too. Like don't it's it, and it's sort of like you can't tell them don't try to figure it out. It, it should be like don't let it bother you when you don't know what the hell it is because that's the whole point. You're it's we've been doing this for a thousand years. You're not supposed to know what this is what, what, what we're doing. Um, but there's always the impulse to kind of go, oh, I know what, they, what they're going to do. And the amazing part is, you know, when when you actually see it, you go, oh, oh, it's totally different. Oh, God. like And, like, you're really blown away by, like, thinking you know what's going on and then being surprised delightfully. And then, um... And then enjoying that. If you can't enjoy that, then you then you this is just not the entertainment medium for you you should you should find something else to really pay attention to but um yeah like you can't obsess about the like where are the cuts but you um you have to like kind of kind of understand like okay this was this took artistry to figure out it, you know you, you couldn't just do it as is so like yeah there's it's sort of a it's sort of half and half like you don't want to like obsess about it but you do want to be like, okay, how did they do that? That was cool. Yeah. yeah. Just don't get mad about it. <laughs> it's, it's just a movie, everybody. It's just a movie. Um, I I wish they'd given him more of a personality. He he's like sarcastic a lot. Yeah. I think more than I more than I remember in the first one. Because I don't remember that. 
Um, but like, I saw somewhere online that like there's only apparently two Hemsworths, the really serious one and the really goofy one, and they're not allowed to meet. <laughs> like it, it would have been, I, he can play like upset that his son was dead and all that stuff, but I do wish they kind of given him more of a, not, not a like folksy personality, but, but more of like a, more of that sarcasm to come out because he's so serious. This is a good point. Thanks. <laughs> I wonder if it's possible. Like the joke is, like the joke, but the thing is always, if you can do comedy, you can do drama, but it doesn't work the other way around. We were introduced to this guy in a very serious, if not sort of like heightened and goofy role as Thor. But predominantly he was over the top in that film. And what made that film so endearing is the fish out of water story and the sort of almost Klingon kind of way that the Asgardians behaved as compared to the humans. It was very much like, you know, like, you know, like I always felt that the, the, the reason that the Klingons on Star Trek were always so great in the later um, shows was that they, um, they all had a background in Shakespeare, the actors, or at least some sense of classical training. And, they played the text without any subtext, and they played it straight, and that's how how it worked. Um, and that's sort of what he did for Thor. There was no sense of irony about it. Like Americans love irony; it's like this thing, you know. And it's been pervasive in cinema for years. And David Foster Wallace, you know, wrote about this thirty years ago. That's you know, it's it's swallowed our culture. Irony. Um. And that movie, you know, he didn't do that. He played it very, very like on its face, and it worked. And ever since then, they went, "Nope, <laughs> this is not. We can't do this. It's we have to. We, we have to be self, you know, self uh, referential and self deprecating, and you know, have the culture continue to eat its own tail." Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's confusing to actors. I mean, he was hired because he was he was handsome and and enormous. He also happened to be really funny at the same time, and I—that's not any way to train someone how to act, you know. So certainly, how to develop a personality and a style of of your own. So I think you're right. I think he's compartmentalized, you know, the way that he behaves. He's not—he's just not that good. He's just very good in specific things. Just like you can't—that stuff doesn't translate. You know, think of Morgan Freeman. <laughs> you know, like that's the guy that can do everything. Serious and funny and then you know, it's he can kind of blend both and do them at the same time. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth can't do he can't you know, he, he he hasn't been allowed to do both and so he has no practice at doing both. Yeah. And and I understand that like it's not a comedy. <laughs> it's the, you know, they're doing ridiculously dangerous things in extremely horrible places in the world. And the, the whole movie has this beige and gray tint to it. So it's not the kind of place where you want to be cracking jokes constantly. But, um, at, in too much of the movie, they were just action figures. So giving him more personality besides, being sad and being murderous would would have helped a little bit. Yeah. I think levity would have been, you know, would, would have been nice at certain points, but it, yeah, hard to weave that in without making it goofy maybe, but also would have, would have made it longer. I think well, you could have made some of these action scenes a little shorter. I don't know. <laughs> I think they were really committed to that. Well, that's the thing. It, it's just what they chose to focus on was the action, which is fine because it was really good. So yeah, and it gets shorter. Like every sequence is shorter than the previous one, which is good. Like the first one is twenty some odd minutes. The next one is a little bit less. Next one a little bit less. So right. Well, it's better not to top these things in the movies. Like I haven't seen any of the other John Wicks besides the first one, but when I hear the reviews and I hear people like, "Well, did you see the one where he's on the horses and they're doing like, you know, like 
giant motorcycle fights. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? That sounds ridiculous. Because in the first John Wick, he did ridiculous stunts, but nothing like that. He just ran around nightclubs murdering people. You know, he wasn't jousting on motorcycles. Yeah, I think that's... I was going to mention this earlier, too. Like, I think that's my ultimate complaint about the long take is that it need it, it it that you've decided to do it it becomes your thing it became the thing in Daredevil like in the first Daredevil nobody saw it coming it was just like hey why don't we just shoot this whole thing in one take it's it was a perfect setup for it you have a dark hallway with multiple doors coming off to the sides if we just put the camera here and don't move the camera that much and have the actor move into and out of the frame, it'll be both funny and exciting at the same time. And I think that's what was so great about it. Like, the camera rarely moved in that scene at all. There was never any, like, spins or things like that. But you you could do that kind of thing, I think, with very few cuts, because the guy would literally leave the frame for a minute go into a doorway and then you see a guy fly out of that door and hit the wall or whatever it was and um and have him work his way down the hall that way so it was like a slow walk forward down the hall behind him but then in the next one it was it was the punisher in the prison where he had to murder everyone and cut off their heads whatever else they did and then by the third one the third season of that show it was Daredevil in, in a prison. And maybe this was like two of these scenes in the same series, uh, in, in the same season. I, I don't recall. But this was him like escaping an entire prison run by the Kingpin, which to me was always dumb. Like, well, if he, if he runs the prison, why is he in the prison? That's stupid. Keep, keeping up appearances. Yeah. Like, it really, that was, that was dumb. That show got so far out over its skis it was stupid but like you know requiring the character to then move throughout a space with as much range as that it just you you have to keep building keep you get this urge to top yourself every time and that's exhausting you can't keep doing that it's just the audience can't keep up and it's also it you're now doing it for the sake of doing it too it's not informing any of the story like, this movie does this, the, the exact same thing, and they do it really, really well so they can get away with it. But, like, Extraction 3, how long is that one going to be? You can't... Who needs, needs to get extracted now? Right. And, like, and again, this is the Tom Cruisification of action movies where it began with just... With just the man hanging from the ceiling. That was all he did in the first movie was just hang from the ceiling. And then the next one, he rode a bike really fast, and that was exciting. And then in the third movie, he ran funny with his arms, like little, little you know, little, little swords or whatever else it was. I can't even, I can't even, even recall what he did in that third movie. That I never saw that one. Oh, the third, the third movie is great. The third movie suffers mightily from the fact that, that the second movie was terrible. Like the second movie stunk. Yeah, that's why I never saw it. And so no one saw the third movie either, but the third movie was great. You know, and the fourth movie was fantastic, and then and that's when it really kind of took off, like, okay, we're going to just go balls out, and we're going to, you know, in, increase the intensity of this thing until, like, I don't know how you beat a Halo jump. Like, that's, to me, that's sort of it. That was the le- That was number six. You're jumping out of a plane at 30,000 feet. That's insane. Like, and he did it a lot, too. He didn't just do it once. He wasn't one-take Tommy on that one. They did that thing several times, and they shot it over days. And it's... Uh, yeah, no, so, like, I blame Tom Cruise for... As much as I, as I enjoy those films, like, you know, like, this urge to top yourself has become part of the action movie genre. And I, I think that of, that eventually just... You, you, you're left with, with just that and nothing else. It's not clever. It's not interesting. It's not serving the story. It's just, like, 
you know, it's a guy on a horse on a motorcycle upside down shooting a gun. Like, you know, like yeah. that's all it is after a while. So, mm-hmm. anything else you liked or didn't like? or um, I, I did like that this one was not all in one place. I remember the last movie was just mostly in like Mumbai or then India or whatever. And like everything was beige. I couldn't tell anything from part. It was very, <laughs> it got drab to look at. And this yeah. one's a little bit drab to look at too, because everything is gray in this one. Yeah. But at least they did change things up a little bit. The color palette was a bit more expensive, but not yeah. much, but it's something. Um, so yeah. like, but like one scene's a prison, the next scene's a, a high rise, the next scene's a church and it's smaller each time. Yeah. Whereas I remember the first one, it was like, here's one abandoned building made of brick and mortar that's falling apart. Here's another one that looks just like that. Like it was like the same thing each time. It's, going, it's just, go, just going from slum to slum, basically. Right. So I was like, oh, this is different because he, he had different objects and, and things to work around in each scene. You know, so it, it, if not visually interesting, at least it was aesthetically different. So, yeah. And there wasn't anything I like overly didn't like. Like I can't point to anything where I was like, "That's stupid," or like, "Yeah, I wish they hadn't done that." Like I was like, "Yeah, this is this is okay. This is good. Yeah, it was fine. It was a, it was this an aggressively I, middle of the road film." I expect a Netflix movie to be like. I actually think, mm-hmm. as, as far as a Netflix action uh, um, action film goes, it was better. Like, because most of them are garbage. Like they put out a lot of these things. Well, it's definitely better than the Gray Man. Better than the Gray Man. It's supposed to be better than that one with the Rock and Ryan uh, Ryan Reynolds. Like they, yeah, that that, that one that, that that we all forgot about. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like Gal Gadot was in that one too, and like or Gadot. And uh, yeah, no, like they make a lot of these movies. Most of them are dreadful, like to the point of being like, Jesus, they, you know, like you you must feel bad for Netflix for having paid top dollar for these. A-list stars to make this schlock, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Chris Hemsworth seems to be game for these things, so yeah. And I think just the you know the fact that you got the like the 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 Rooster Brothers writing it and the guy who directed it is you know he he knows what he's doing, so yeah, no, so yeah. so it's a good two hours to kill if you've got or, you know if you've got Netflix. Yeah, and you, you know, didn't get kicked off for sharing your password, which you can't do anymore. Yeah. So, all right. Well, if you guys have any thoughts about Extraction Numero Dose that you want to share with us, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, you can email us at threedrinksinpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Amazon Music. Uh, buy our stuff over at tpublic.com, like T-shirts and hats and cell phone cases and whatever else they have. Um, anything else? No, that's it. All right. As always, please drink responsibly. We'll talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.